Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. You have to fail. And you got to fail early. And I luckily mm. was thrown out there. <laughs> yeah. I was thrown out there and enough things to fail and, and cry and get up and fail and cry. Listeners, welcome to another episode of In the Envelope. To say I'm excited about today's guest is such an understatement. As you no doubt know, it is Queen Latifah. You just heard the dulcet tones, talk about dulcet tones, of Queen Latifah, someone who I've admired for so long, for so many different reasons, for so many different projects. I was finally able to ask, you know, someone this multi-talented and this multi-hyphenate about the philosophy and the creative process behind so many of the roles that she inhabits in the entertainment industry. Actor, jazz, rap, hip-hop musician, and I would say trailblazer as one of the first women in hip-hop. Absolutely producer, and in fact she produces and stars on the new CBS action drama The Equalizer. For those who don't know, that was originally CBS drama and then turned into a hit Denzel Washington film. And now Queen plays Robin McCall. Uh, a female version of the titular Equalizer. And uh, I mean, obviously, I could just list her whole resume, but everybody already knows. Of course, she was Oscar nominated for Chicago and won a ton of awards for that. She got her start, actually, in both a Spike Lee joint and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which we talked about. Like, what an introduction to the acting side of the biz. And now here she is. She's getting the Lifetime Achievement Award at this year's BET Awards, like later this month. And I just love her so much, and I loved talking to her, and she had a lot to say about about perseverance and how she has endured in the industry this long. So she, as she is basically someone who needs no introduction, that's all I'm going to say for now, and <laughs> let's take a quick break and then get to it. Do stick around for Christine McKenna Torella's segment. And as always, listeners, if you have a question for her, a question for me, a question for Backstage or this podcast in general, do send an email to editorial at backstage.com, indicating podcast somewhere in your in your subject line. And feel free to drop us any questions or comments. We are standing by. All right, let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor and then get to <sighs> Queen Latifah. For your Emmy Awards consideration, HBO's Mayor of Easttown, starring Kate Winslet as small-town Pennsylvania detective Mayor Sheehan. The original limited series explores the dark side of a close community and provides an authentic examination of how family and past tragedies can define our present. All episodes of Mayor of Easttown are now streaming on HBO Max for your Emmy Award consideration in Outstanding Limited Series and all other categories. Actor, musician, and producer Queen Latifah has earned an Emmy Award, three SAG Awards, two NAACP Image Awards, and an Academy Award nomination across her illustrious career. After blazing trails as one of the first women in jazz rap at age 17, she refused pigeonholing in the entertainment industry, starring in Living Single, Set It Off, Chicago, Last Holiday, Hairspray, Bessie, Girls Trip, Star, and The Queen Latifah Show, and now leads CBS's action drama, The Equalizer. All hail the Queen.
hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. What um, What's going on today? Are you doing a bunch of press? Just a bunch of press, that's all. Just a bunch. All right. It's another day in the life. You're used to this, right? Ah, uh, you know. You... <laughs> and you've spoken to Backstage before. And in fact, I was just reading your 2015 cover story, Peg to Bessie. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited that you're here on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, we're all, as you know, we're all about the craft and career advice. And I am especially interested in, I, I would really like to ask you about your early career stuff. First of all, what was the original, what was the childhood dream? Did you dream of all of this? Yeah, you dream of this stuff, of course, you know? Uh-huh. Um, do you think it's gonna happen? No, not necessarily. Childhood dream, first one was I wanted to be a truck driver because oh. the commercial said, do you wanna have, do you wanna make money? Do you wanna travel? <laughs> a truck driver and I was like ooh that sounds good but then I wanted to be a marine biologist because I was big on Jacques Cousteau and I loved oh, cool. underwater life and I'm a Pisces um, <laughs> so those are the first two things I wanted to be but then you know I discovered um, singing and acting and dancing and arts and my mother was an art teacher as well so mm-hmm. Uh, arts were big in my house. Music was big in my house. Instruments and um, and then I just beca- I loved musicals and mm. um, <laughs> standards and things like that. And then of course the hip hop bug bit me. So um, yeah, I mean I was just having fun with all of that stuff. And and then it became a real thing. And I was <laughs> like, wow, okay. So we, we're about to, I'm going to rap and we're going to get record deals and this is going to change mm-hmm. our family's, you know, economic status. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to buy, I'm, I'm buying my mother a house, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> um, but just thinking of the create, creative side of it, which me and all my, my group of friends who came to be known as the Flavor Unit, you know, we all would sit around and dream and talk about what we wanted to do and think about what we what we could accomplish and places we wanted to go and mm. goals we wanted to accomplish and you know yeah this was all part of it you know winning a Grammy was like part of it you know or things like that in terms of the music but you know I kind of looked a little further and yeah I was always like into a lot of different things at one time no matter what it was so yeah, I mean, again, you, you dream of these kinds of things because you see them on TV and they seem like dreams. Um, but then when you have a friend who actually winds up doing it, you're like, wait, this could be a reality. And that friend <laughs> for me was Will Smith. Yeah. Will got his TV show, you know. Um, you know, we've been touring together for months and months at a time, you know, opening up for him. But once, you know, your boy gets a TV show, you're mm-hmm. like, well, if Will can do it, we can do it. You know, um, it starts to become more real. Yeah. And so we went and did a, uh, we got Living Single. We created, helped create Living Single. Um, and so I always like to sing jazz and hmm. standards and I love musicals, like I said. So it was just like, okay, well, how can I put out this jazz album? Not, they don't know me for jazz yet. Uh, so <laughs> I did a couple of movies where I sang and then... <laughs> seasoned up the audience and now they're ready for this jazz album so seasoned you know, up just, the audience yes you had to i had to i didn't want to just hit them with it because <laughs> you know i think my record companies probably scared me because i scared them because my hip-hop wasn't even just regular beats and rhymes it was it was always mixed with some kind of other music form from mm. reggae to jazz to salsa you know and they're like what the hell are we gonna do with this girl <laughs> She just won't rhyme and just make it to a beat. <laughs> you know, she got house music in her hip hop. What the hell is going on? Right, right. But, you know, that was kind of gaining me this larger audience because people were connected to those songs. Hmm. And um, and so before you know it, my audience was my rap. As a rapper, my audience was young and old. It was all races. It was all genders. Right. You know what I mean? And... And it made it hard for them because they couldn't just put my marketing dollars in one place and call it a day. Yeah. They had yeah. to spread the love and get creative, you know, and uh, and we were creative as well. So it was all good. You know, just I just was not an easy one to peg. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're intentionally keeping us on our toes to this day. I have to. Yeah. Because, you know, because, you know, I get stuck in a box. There's nothing I feared more than just being pigeonholed mm-hmm. or stuck in a box. I just, there were too many facets to my, my being. Sure. To be, you know, kind of nailed on into one place. I couldn't even do that in relationships. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, no, this is not going to work. Okay, I'm cool, <laughs> but now I'm, I got to stretch. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing with that ring? You better get that the hell out of here. You know, like, <laughs> oh, no, a ring. I'm out. Um, <laughs> a little commitophobia is good as an I artist. I did. I did. I was the original runway bride. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready. I'm too young. I know I'm in my 30s. I'm too young. <laughs> No, sure. it's just like that kind of thing. But, you know, so you, so for me, I just kind of lived in the moment. And all of these things were possible. Um, they were dreams that could be made into realities. But it was never just about, you know, the. it was never about awards or anything mm-hmm. so much as it was about having the opportunity to to do the work, to be creative, you know, and... Yeah. Um, and luckily, I, I have really good people around me who fight for me and believe in me and will not allow, would not allow me to, to be not seen as anything less than what I was capable of becoming. Yeah. A bunch of people around you who are also committed to the, to the mission, the artistic mission of right. do not peg me, do not box me in anywhere. Right. Amazing. Well, you know. I mean, my, I, fig- I don't usually commit to things that I don't think I can accomplish, number one. Hmm. So it's it's not hmm. like I just do anything for the hell of it. It's like if I see something or I think of something and I think I can do it, then I know I can do it. You know what I mean? So once yeah. I know I can do it, they, I mean, I guess they just started thinking I could do it too because she, there she goes. She's locked in on something. <laughs> or, you know, my partner, Shaw, he'll be like, yo, I got this role. I think you could do it. And I'm like, what? What did you do? <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, wait a minute. You know, I think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, it happens one way or the other, but, you know, hmm. I, everybody knows. I, I start realized really early, like, if I, you know, once I did set it off, actually, I might have been at house party or something. Hmm. I just realized people were sending me the same script over and over, but bad. Sure. Same damn character over and over. Some version of what, who they thought Queen Latifah was. Mm-hmm. Um, their version of Queen Latifah, but not good. And <laughs> I was like, this is never going to fly. So I need to do something really, really different than who yeah. I am. And it just so happened that F. Gary Gray was feeling the same way. Um, he wanted to be taken seriously as a director and could direct more than, um, you know, rap music videos or, you know, uh, kind of slice of life stories from our hoods. And really be seen as a, a, you know, taken seriously for bigger projects. And that's what Set It Off came, you know, for mm-hmm. him. And mm-hmm. so we we sort of converged at the same time in the same zone. And, and we were able to make Set It Off that that uh, diving board, if you will, that jump off point for us to uh, be seen differently by Hollywood. <laughs> yes, be seen differently. Because you could just keep accepting those Queen Latifah but bad roles over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably mean, make a living doing that. You know what? I probably could. And I would probably have the shortest, <laughs> wackest career. But I, I just, you know, I've never, um, look, fortunately, I wasn't dependent upon those for my, uh, to live, yeah. to pay my rent. And, you know, and I'm very grateful to hip hop for being that for me, you know, for already having having a hip hop career at the same time as having, uh, you know, a TV show on so that when it came time to step into films, I didn't have to. Number one, I didn't need the TV show either. So I didn't just have to take whatever from that, you know, Um, but also uh, when it came to the films, I was able to kind of pick and choose. Yep. And until I could create what I what I really wanted to have happen, mm-hmm. um, and it took some time. But if I was, you know, honestly, I re- I have the utmost respect for everyone who is an actor. You know, that has to pay the bills. You know, because it's tough. Yep. Um, you got to take these roles 
sometimes that you don't want to, that you really don't want to do, you know, but yeah. you got to pay the bills. And if this is what your, your craft is, your, your profession, your career, then, you know, uh, I don't knock anybody for doing what they have to do, but mm-hmm. I could see how difficult it can be, you know? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, you wind up playing bank robber number two all the time or, you know, <laughs> thug number two. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. You just really want to play something sensitive and something dramatic in, in a beautiful way or something funny. And it's like, no, they keep making you play the same damn role over and over. Right. And I'm like, that can't happen. I, I, I can't do that because that's not Sure. Me. Your artistic mission seemed clear from the very beginning. I feel like a lot of actors have to do what you just said, kind of working your way up through these roles that you've got to take. you got to decide what what's going to push you just enough to get to that next level. And then they have the platform to be an activist, be a philanthropist, pick the projects that they want to work on, not just acting. But you, from the very beginning, from Ladies First, I was just I was just re-listening to um to to that whole first album. That's like my first time revisiting it. <laughs> oh, in front of, yeah, it's different. It's great, yeah. I, and it's so amazing to think that there were so few examples of of women doing what you were doing at that point. Like, do you have an artistic mission? I'm putting that in quotes. Is that how you is that how you think of it? Do you have a philosophy for how you like create work? Ah, you know, for me, I just always wanted to make something I could play my mother, you know? Okay. <laughs> I always wanted to like be able to share <laughs> my work with my mom. You know, I, I wanted her to be able to see it and listen to it. And I'm I got a cool mom, God bless her, you know. Um, she was a cool mom. So it wasn't like I had to be really corny in order to do that. <laughs> but um, I had to get creative um, because I, the, you know, I wanted to be able to play this music for the one, my family. Interesting. Um, so I, I couldn't go too far, you know, in terms of, I wish I could go a little further, but I just couldn't bring myself to, to just go overboard in terms of expletives or... Oh, or, you know, I needed to be able to speak about subject matter, but there was so much to talk about without having to go there. Hmm. For me, I, it was like I come from a, a, a rap crew of a bunch, mostly guys, you yeah. know, and they taught me so much. And but it's like being around a bunch of brothers. You hear and see a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Hmm. And so for me, it was really about like. I can't believe these girls are going for this dumb stuff these boys are saying. <laughs> you know, they're so stupid. Ah. Okay. And I would have been one of them, of course, um, and have been before. But, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, let me just start with the ladies. We need to, we need to, we need to get our self-esteem up. We need yeah. to be strong. We need to get confident. Let me make music for 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 the women hmm. to feel good, you know, to, to support each other. I'm not even gonna worry about trying to fix guys. Let's worry about fixing ourselves, you know, let's clean our own house first. Yes. And so that's where records like Ladies First came. It was really about lifting up female self-esteem, you know, like mm. letting you know you are first. You should be treated like that. Don't let mm. these, you know, guys treat you any kind of way or anybody for that matter. Guy, girl, I don't care. You know, it's about how you feel about yourself. And then realizing that the music was a platform to express things about what's going on right around you. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we got to figure out a cool way to make, to say something. And that's yeah. just how I was raised. I was taught, you know, so many things that the books in school do not teach you, especially about being African American and especially about being a woman, a female mm-hmm. girl, you know, what girls can do, you know, what women can do and what we have done. So I like, you know, having that knowledge as a youngster coming from that kind of family who imparts that kind of youngster, that kind of information and knowledge upon their kids and lifts you up, you know, you you wind up having to put that in your music, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. Since my mother helped discover my whole crew, you know, put us all together, I'm like, I gotta, mm-hmm. you know, they can get away with it, but I gotta go home. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanna be able to like make a couple records that's saying something, you know? Sure. And it's that, I love that this idea of like, you want your goals to be, you want to push yourself, but you don't want, it's not too much. It's not unrealistic. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that in order to take a step forward, it has to be like a baby step, a baby step, a baby step, especially for paving the way for music or for people yeah. who look like you who are not in that industry. 
Yeah, there were no, there were no, there were no uh, blueprints for a lot of what I was doing. I mean, they were blueprints, but they applied to a different kind of car. <laughs> you yes, know what I mean? like Will Smith. So how do I build the building I'm trying to live in? You know, yeah. I need to draw my own blueprint, and that's what we did. You know, we literally sat around and figured, how can we make this happen? And we mm. found allies, the right allies, who could help move us forward. And if you didn't believe, then you couldn't be on the team, period. Yeah. It was like, okay, you may have, be, have 30 years of experience, but you don't get it. Mm. You don't believe I can actually do this. So mm. give me the person with two years of experience who actually believes I can do this. Mm. You know what I mean? And then let's all go do this together. And so my partner, Shaquem, was very helpful at finding people like that. And of course, I was as well. And so, you know, we we managed to connect with the right kinds of people. And there were those people who did have 30 years of experience who mm-hmm. saw who saw that in me, who saw the spark, who saw the right things and said, OK, I want her. Uh, you know, a smart consumer is our best customer, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Um, Throughout the years, I was very fortunate to to encounter those people and have my mom and dad with me along the way, you know, um, to move and shake through different places. And, hmm. you know, you live and you learn. And sometimes you learn the hard way, and it, you know, but sometimes you you don't learn the hard way. <laughs> sometimes you just sure. learn and you grow and <laughs> these all become lessons and you find mentors and they help you throughout, throughout you know, your your growing period in this business and we've become that to other people mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. to make decisions. I never wanted people to make decisions for me. Hmm. That was just one thing I've just never been into. And I always <laughs> wanted to have a voice in my own life. Hmm. So if, if there's any, if there's any artistic, uh, what, what did you call it? Um, like an artistic mission an artistic or a mission mission, statement. It was the mission statement is more always to always, be able to have my own voice. Yeah. And and with that comes an acceptance of the possibility of failure. Oh, long time ago. Gotta learn how to fail. <laughs> okay. If you don't know how to fail, that's a wrap. You can forget about it. You know, that's a real problem because you can't build perseverance. I mean, perseverance comes from failing. Mm. You know, um, you have to fail. And you gotta fail early. And I luckily mm. was thrown out there. <laughs> Yeah. I was thrown out there and enough things to fail and, and cry and get up and fail and cry. Yeah. And my mom would make me my favorite meal after failing, you know, and my dad would say, come on, Danny, Danny, don't worry about that. You can do this, da, 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 you know, and I had cousins souping me up or my brother would be like, okay, and I would watch him fail at something and get back up. And, yeah. You know, it just, failure is a part of success. It's just what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's with everything. That's in every aspect of life. Yeah. Um, relationships, uh, work, sports, life, you name it. Like, you make mistakes. Those mistakes are meant to teach you something. And But the bottom line is to get back up, you know, is to yeah. get back up. How you get back up, you know, and, and, um, pushing, and pushing through difficult times. Because, you know, the failing or, you know, kind of just builds your, a, a thicker skin. And, I, and, and one thing I've always prayed for throughout the years, despite all that, is to stay open. Mm-hmm. Because I got so many reasons through the years and I've seen so many people become cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just never wanted to become cynical. I never want to think the worst of everyone and be pessimistic and not and untrustworthy, you know, just not trust people or... Hmm. think everything is going to go bad at some point or, you know I, I or not want to meet new people because they may hurt your feelings or new relationships because you may get your heart broken like I have just never wanted to be that because that would mm-hmm. just cut me off and make me the the saddest person on earth and that's just not me I'd rather get my heart broken at least know <laughs> that I lived you know I, yeah. I'd rather break a bone and know I tried to jump I tried that jump you know what I mean? I don't want to break it, but hell, that shit was fun, wasn't it? Shit. You know what I mean? Like, woo! That's what. That's me. I'm more that. I'm the girl, the girl who jumps off the cliff. You know, yes, I mean? into the into the ocean. Hell yeah, I'm terrified. I'm terrified like everybody else, but I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And then some things yes. you can have that. I'm not doing it, but I kind of know because I've tried a few things, and so, you know. Um, 
I learned when I did this, actually, this uh, CBS special a few years back um, about teachers. And what the teachers learned and what they said and what the statistics said is not, it's not the type of education you get or your socioeconomic background that decides how successful you're going to be, but it's how you persevere. It's strictly perseverance. Yeah. You know, how do you push through the tough times? How do you push through loss and failure? Yeah. And, and um, those kinds of things, you know, when you fail, when you flunk a class, when you don't get the A, you know, even pe- people who get A's all the time face immense pressure. They put pressure on themselves to get A's all the time. Right. What happens when you get a B? What happens when you get a C? How yeah. do you bounce back from that? Yeah. You know, you yeah. fall apart. Yeah, fall apart for a minute. Go ahead. Now get your shit together. Yes. Let's bounce back and let's go get that A. You know what I mean? Yeah. And guess what? If you don't get that A, let's still bounce back. You're still okay. Yeah. The world's going to keep turning. You're going to yeah. be all right. You know, don't you dare stop. You know, so it means that A is not for you. Maybe something's else, something else is for you. So, right. I mean, you know, I used to feel bad sometimes when I would work my ass off and then I'd see other people come out with one record and go platinum. Yeah. You know what I mean? One chance <laughs> at a movie and they're like, it's a hundred million dollar movie or, you know, things like that. I would be like, dang, but a lot of those people are not around anymore. You know, sure. and I kind of slow rolled it up the hill and yeah. still here. Yeah. No, and everything you just said is is such primo early career advice. Like I think a lot of our listeners who are starting out their careers anywhere in the arts can get so much out of that. In interviews like the, I think it's really worth reminding people that the failures exist alongside the successes because in an interview like this, we're here to talk about your successes. That's what's most obvious to us as viewers. <laughs> but what's gone into every success, for every success, there's X number of, of failures, right? Well, let me tell you something. It's important to know who you are. Because mm-hmm. you know, I know myself, and I know when I'm right, and when I'm when I'm on point, and when I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so, like, some people can, oh, that was amazing! You're amazing! You're amazing! Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I know when I'm amazing, when I'm not, because I feel it too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel when I like nailed and when I didn't. Sure. And I feel when I'm not there. You know, so like certain things, I will take my time. I'll go spend my own money. Like I've spent almost my check in money to make sure that I could afford someone that was right next to me to help me with my lines to make wow. sure I got them all right. And I was able to remove everything else out of my mind for that one day. But it was worth it to me because if that performance on screen is not right, then I don't feel good about it. You know sure. what I mean? I need to know I got it. And, and I know sometimes I need help. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to like ask for help. <laughs> you know, help me, help me get this down pat. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm so busy doing this, that, and the third. I need to get right. I mm-hmm. need to get focused and zeroed in real quick. I don't have much time. I got to get it. So I need you to help me. And it's going to cost me for that. Mm-hmm. Or even like something like Little Mermaid Live that we did not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I did this role of Ursula and it was live. This is live TV. <laughs> and I'm feeling like everything is going on. I don't feel like I have this song down yet with this choreography. Mm-hmm. So I went and rented some time in Third Street you know, you know, dance studio hmm. on a Saturday or whatever off day it was. And I was like, yo, I need a few hours by myself with that song in the mirror. And I'm going to get this down. <laughs> and this is not scheduled rehearsal, but I yeah. know I'm not there where I want to be. So that's what I did. And I went in there and I got in that studio and I got in that mirror. And then I felt like, OK, all right, now I'm ready to go to rehearsal and rehearse with whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. With, with, choreographers with everyone and I'm not like I'm feeling more confident about my performance because now I got to carry 40 pounds worth of wardrobe and, yes you know and every this crazy wig and all this makeup and all these people in my head but I can refer back to my little time in the studio by yeah. myself working yeah you know and I'm not the only person I've seen do that I've seen Beyonce do it I've seen <laughs> everybody who, who you think is anybody no, like, uh-uh. I got to get by myself. I got to get with, ask the choreographer for some, just a little half an hour extra to work just with me. Or, mm. you know, there's nothing wrong with just asking for some help from somebody. That's excellent you know, advice. Say, hey, can you run lines with me? Or can you just like record me doing this move, make mm-hmm. sure it's right? Or can you listen to me with this interview? Or, 
what are you catching? Am I saying this wrong? Am I pronouncing mm. that right? You know, like it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like ask mm. for help. Ask for help. Yeah. Do you think of it as, as perfectionism? Um, or just holding yourself to a high standard and doing whatever what it takes I, to, yeah. That's, that's what I think of it as. I don't think yeah. of it as perfectionism because, you know. Is there such perfect. a thing as, as perfect? My perfect is not your perfect. Right, you know, exactly. Your perfect is not my perfect. I can't out-perfect you at being the perfect you. So sure. if you have a role and you nailed that thing the way you did it, I can't nail it like you. I can only nail it in the way I can nail it. Mm. You know, you can't nail it like me. Like there's there's room for everybody to be who they are, mm. to be themselves, um, and to be their best selves. Work ethic is important. I yeah. can't teach you how important work ethic is. It's something you actually have to care about. I'm doing what I do now, and I get paid a good amount of money for it. And I've made lots of money on different projects through the years. But I cleaned that bathroom at Burger King when I worked there at 15, <laughs> like it was my my own house. There you go. And I can't even tell you what I might have seen in that bathroom <laughs> in downtown Newark at 15. But guess what? It wasn't there by the time I was done. And yes. you can set your raw butt on that raw toilet seat. <laughs> That's how spick and span I had that bathroom. <laughs> Why? Because I care. Yeah. Because I care. It wasn't that the manager told me to do all that. It's because, listen, gosh, I mean, this is a restaurant. People don't want to smell it. They don't want to see it. You know, (laughs) and if you had to come in here and you had your kid with you and you got to take your child in the bathroom real quick, I mean, what do you want to walk into? When you go to a gas station, do you want to walk? Just because it's a gas station, you should have to walk in to that? No. No. You want to walk into a nice place. You want to feel good. And so for me, it was just my attitude about mm-hmm. it. It wasn't about, you know, I, I could have done the bare minimum, but yeah. I chose to do the best I could do with the yeah. time I had to make it some place that would be just like my house. Yeah. <laughs> Clean. Yeah. <laughs> Clean Does as if my sense. mother told me, don't make me have to come look at that bathroom. You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah. it's just important to have to have a work ethic, to care about what you do. The work ethic, for sure. This podcast episode is brought to you by Hacks. This HBO Max original series explores a dark mentorship that forms between legendary Las Vegas comedian Deborah Vance, played by Gene Smart, and an entitled, outcast 25-year-old writer, played by Hannah Einbinder. Hacks is now streaming on HBO Max for your Emmy consideration in outstanding comedy series and all other categories. What were the early acting inspirations? Like, were there actors maybe growing up that you really admired? It's so cool that you say that Will was actually your, your eyes were open to the fact that like, because he was your friend and your peer, it was like, oh, I can do this. But were there people before that that you were like, I want to do what that what that maybe what that black woman was doing? There weren't that there weren't as many black women on screen then. Um, well, there was Diane Carroll, who I thought was pretty dope. Mm. And there was Pam Greer. <laughs> yep. So I channeled them into Robin McCall. You know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean I get to kick ass and be eloquent? And be fabulous. I can throw on a pair of heels and shoot this shotgun. You got it. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there were a lot of people I watched. I mean, Rita Moreno, for that matter. Felicia mm. Rashad. There was Judy Garland. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Bet, bet, uh, both the bets. Betty Davis, Bette <laughs> Miller. Yeah. Uh, both incredible actors. Kathy Bates. Um, mm. Angela that's it um the list can go on and on oh yeah and of course the denzels you know yes. everybody who got the got the hook up in a spike lee joint you know mm-hmm. um, but i mean there were a lot of people i think the acting bug was really from all those musicals you know the wizard of oz and the whiz and and, mm-hmm. and gosh uh, mary poppins and just i mean for me it was the escapism of it all as mm-hmm. a child you know, just being able to drift off into a land. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is probably one of my favorite movies and is with uh, Gene Wilder. But I think Gene Wilder's a brilliant actor, you know. Um, just the range. Um, 
so I mean, it, it kind of bit then, but doing yeah. a play in high school, I did my first high school play my freshman year. And um, I went to all girls Catholic school my freshman year of high school. So they had to bring in boys from the other mm-hmm. boys Catholic schools. And then they brought in this director from outside the school. And he was, excuse me, having worked with many directors, He's one of the best damn directors I ever worked with. I can't even remember his name, but he, oh, wow. he was hardcore. He wasn't no joke. And he really, really got us into shape and hmm. we did a great job. And that's the first time I ever had to like, I ever had to cry. And oh. and I was so in it. It was Godspell that we did. Oh, cool. And um, it just, there was something about performing and watching the audience and how engaged they were that just really told me this was something I would love to do. So yeah, kind of where it started. That's amazing. And so Chicago, I didn't realize Chicago was almost a full circle moment where all of those childhood musicals that you loved, you ended up starring in, I consider it to be one of the best movie musicals of all time. Was that a huge turning point? Amazingly huge turning point. Yeah. You know, it took three auditions to get that part. <laughs> Everybody who was anybody wanted that role, and there yeah. were a lot of somebodies who wanted that role. <laughs> and um, I had to earn it, but luckily I was able to, and it really was a life changing experience. Hmm. And Rob Marshall is an incredible director. But you never get to you don't get to do things like that very often when you have no. You know, a good six weeks of rehearsal, let alone, mm. you know, a movie that big. And I'm I'm looking at the most incredible dancers and, and directors of photography, lighting, gaffers, electric costumes. Everybody involved in that was like so on point. And um, every actor involved in it no matter what level of actor mm. a b c you want to call it whatever alphabet they were check that ego at the door mm. everybody checked their ego at the door and were there for the work and mm. rob marshall made you feel like don't worry i got you covered i got your back we're gonna do this it's gonna be great and we worked our asses off everybody did mm. you know so you had a couple weeks of dance rehearsal a couple weeks of acting rehearsal you know, a um, couple weeks to lay all the vocals and tracks and everything. Mm. And so, you know, you got to really be involved in it and get to be a part of this thing in Chicago. So as you said, like, that's so specific, that movie musical is its own specific genre. It requires its own, like, work ethic. Is Are there things you do every time, acting techniques that you do for every role? You've played so many different roles. Um, I think the first thing is to decide whether I want the role or not. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it me? Do I feel like I can pull it off? Mm. Handle it? Do I want it? Is it something I want to do? Once once my commitment is there, once I believe mm-hmm. in me, then it's really just a matter of okay. Now, how do we want to design this? How do we, what do we want to create? Where do we want to go? Yeah. Right. And um, again, I get with my boy. Sometimes, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes I do it on my own and then sometimes I'll get with him and we'll kind of like pick through it and figure it out. Um, I kind of get into the music of it. I kind of get into the, if there's a costume, the costume is the suit. Once I put the suit on, it's like Superman. Cool. Once you put the suit on, you, you're Superman. Cool. You know, so, you know, I kind of get into all of that, you know, and, and allow myself to be there. And usually when I have him around, it's really not so much to help me act. It's really more to block out everything else that I have going on because I have so much going on. And it's always been like that. Like I've been, I started at 17 Mm -hmm. as a rapper who became an actor, you know, who had records out at the same time as a hit sitcom. Right. And then a movie career began, you know? So when you got, and you own your own business, managing artists. So when you have all these things going on, for me, it's really about just locking everything out to just yeah. stay in the moment, mm. you know, stay in the shoes of the person that I'm in and um, finding music that can help me do that. So like sometimes I just find songs like, you know, some, 
when I was younger, when I was a younger actor, uh, less experienced actor rather, mm -hmm. I would have to use actual thoughts in order to get me to an emotional place perhaps. And which made me have to deal with those emotional traumatic events possibly. Yes. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And then I realized I could, there are certain songs that would bring me just to that same place like Very this. Cool. So there's always a playlist that I have. I always have songs that really affect me emotionally. So if I have to cry in a scene or I have to get really sincere or I have to get, I mean, I always find some song that'll kind of put me in that place. Wow. And, you know, I can kind of just play that and I'm there in two seconds. And then if I have to ask for permission for people to not speak to me, then that's what I have to do. Yeah. You know, or if I need to like, ask people to talk to me whatever i need to get yeah. to that place is what i need to get hmm. um and i have to like explain to some of my friends that it's not as easy as it looks because i think they feel like some of the more because they they, they probably they watch more than they act you know so they yes. think probably the more emotional stuff or the more you know heavy lifting appearing things are tough but for me, I'm not a person who typically bites her tongue when she sees something's wrong. So to play a character that's a little more meek, mm. more quiet, more humble, maybe kind of takes it a little more than I would is more of a challenge. Gotcha. That's more acting to me. Yeah. Than it is to be just outgoing and go off, you know, go sure. head first, you know. Um, so when, when people say, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk for you, I'm like, no, that's not. That's actually going to be a little harder because I'm going to have to quiet my mind and mm. really appeal to the more sensitive sides of myself and and stay in that zone, you know? Totally. Even if I play someone more submissive, I have to kind of like appeal to a different side or find people I know, relate that character to people I know, mm. um, read about things. You know, I do do some homework. You know, mm -hmm. and then find a way to naturally bring myself to a place that sits sits in that person's skin. Never judge the character. Mm. Sit in their own skin. You know, sit where they where they want to where they naturally are. Mm. And then it's not like a tug. It's not a tug of war so much. Yeah, and again, it's like you don't want to be the bad Queen Latifah roles, but you don't want to be somebody so outside you that you can't feel that you can pull it off confidently. You want that in between. I have to. Yeah. I have to because, it, I mean, otherwise it should go to someone else. Right. Right. It's not for me. And I'm, I'm really taking somebody's job or I'm created a job that really should belong to somebody else. Sure. So I should hire somebody else to play this character. Yeah. You know, I can still produce it. <laughs> right. But it's really a role for someone else, you know? Right. So. And maybe that's how I can ask about Robin McCall, who, as you said, is... Um, Diane Carroll plus Pam Greer, which I love. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but like, why did you, what, what was the light bulb that went off that made you go, oh yeah, this is, this is for me. This is within that range, but going to push me, obviously. Well, really it's the equalizing of it all. It's the justice. Yeah, cool. It's the justice. It's, it's getting to met justice, you know? <laughs> um, getting to deliver justice for the every man, if you will. Yeah. Slash woman, slash child. Uh, <laughs> every week, you know, getting to be able to. That's that's the whole key. Is it's like you know the the person who in me who hates a bully, hmm. you know, or seeing bullying, you know, that's the person who's who's. You know, who got robbed of her track bag when she was a kid. <laughs> Like, damn, I can't afford another pair of sneakers. <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. Okay, I guess I'll be running this track beating some messed up sneakers. <laughs> you know, but um, those are the people like you want to fight for. People yeah. who, who don't have a fair shake or who can't, who are in a, in a jam and they can't get out of it. Love, um, love that. That's yeah. all. I mean, for me, it was that. But I get this is the way she gets to do it. She gets to have this sort of skill set to make that happen. I wanted to, the excitement of playing an intelligent black woman with skills, with hands, with physical skills to yeah. match. Yeah. Who also happens to be a mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the heck? Yeah. I also That's appreciate that she's. Plenty. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I also think it could be easy to just have her be a hero, flaw, flawless, and she's she's flawed and she's got issues. <laughs> no need for her to be flawless. Yeah, yeah. No need for that. Yeah. No need for her to be flawless. Actually, need need for her to be flawed. Yes. You know, because there's no one who can possibly do. She's not a superhero. That's part of your gut of of looking at a role and deciding is this for me, right? Yes, and and typically I've I've always wanted to 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 play characters that showed women in a certain kind of way that showed the strength of a woman, you know, the the intelligence of a woman or the or the ability of a woman, you know, um, in the way that I can deliver it, you know, because yeah. there are other other uh, brilliant actors who can show so many first of all there's so many of us and so many kinds of us you know but the way that I can deliver it in my way is I think unique to me and and so that's the best that I can do you know mm-hmm. um, and there are just some things that I want to do that I'm interested in doing that are fun to do um, so Cleo and Set It Off was fun yeah that was that was no big deal. That was like it was challenging because I was new at acting and this yeah. was like requiring I really wanted to do something good. And all I did was show me how much I had to learn mm. and how much I really had to deal with my own traumas, you know. Sure. Because it was like one scene I had to cry and I couldn't cry. Mm. And I couldn't cry because I hadn't mourned my brother's death. Oh. And I hadn't mourned his death and that meant I, c- I couldn't cry because I was numb from it. Yeah. You know, and so I had to literally mm. seek counseling in the middle of that film to understand, mm. <laughs> this is the, cl- the clinician in my brain, what are the signs of grief and how can I deal with this? And I need to get this done by Friday because I yeah. got this scene, right? Uh. <laughs> it was practically like that. I was like, it yeah. just showed me that I had, I had a big, big gaping blind spot. And I, I talked to Jada about it. I was like, Jada, I am having a problem here and I, I need to figure out what to do. And she recommended someone to me. Oh, and I was able to talk to this person and start to deal with the grief that I was dealing with. Mm. You know, that was like kind of cutting off my emotions uh, as a defense mechanism. But, yeah. you know, film and, and acting makes you have to let it all hang out. Mm-hmm. You got to open it up. Otherwise, yeah. you can't play it. Mm. You know, and and so, uh, you know, it's like psychiatry. You go in, in order to play roles, you have to, you got to deal with things. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like a, a step not only for my career, but for my own life. And yeah. I've, I've wow. watched that happen several times with several roles. Have It's been the art that's reminded me of what I need to do with my life. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's why it's all part of the artistic mission. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for going there. That you really tied it all together because that was also an example of like asking for help and doing extra, pushing the work ethic to the next level to know that you need to dig deep. Oh, yeah. And of course, pushing yourself as a performer. Um, thank you so much. I have to let you go soon, but can I ask you some sillier backstagey questions? Such as, do you have an audition horror story? Do you have do you have audition horror stories? That you want to share? They're all horror stories. What are you talking about? They're all, do you not like auditioning? What is your relationship to auditioning? (laughs) Speaking of like producing your own roles and like creating your own projects, you don't want to audition. Yeah. That's the goal. That's a great goal. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. I hate auditioning. (laughs) And is it safe to say you've done it less and less in your career? Yes. I, I can't remember the last time I have auditioned. Oh, good. Okay. Not that I wouldn't. You know, I would. Okay. Like something, you know. Uh, like so you said, you fought for Chicago and that was, you had yeah. to. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. By that third audition, I was like, listen, they either got to tell me something or I'm cool. I'm I got to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I got it on that third one. They were like, this is it. You just got to go sing with Catherine Zeta. If this goes well, then the role is yours. I'm like, good, because I'm not doing this. is torture. That's torture. You know? Yeah. But it's just, uh, I mean, auditioning is just not, it's not, it's such a weird thing. Yeah. And I guess you just got to give into the weirdness of it all. And just, <laughs> just, yo, just come prepared, do your thing. 
Get out of your own head. Get Don't even worry about the weirdness that's going to happen in the room um, because the voice is not going to be the voice of the other actor. It's going to be somebody who sounds nothing like the person you want to act with. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's going to be some stale little room probably. Um, you don't have to take your clothes off. Don't let them fool Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, that still that. needs to be said. I don't think so, <laughs> but just in case. Um, but it's just like nothing's comfortable about it. But you have to just like really be about that 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 role, that scene. Just worry about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just focus on what you're, you're there to do and what you're into. And then, you know, don't even expect any any help in return necessarily because it uh, not in the room. might yeah. be just really dry who's reading with you it may be you know a guy's voice but it's a girl a woman sure. reading you or you know <laughs> and, but don't worry about it just know your part and know yeah. what you're there to do and what you're there to show and just be ready to if they suggest you try try like this try like that hang loose you know try it a couple ways so you may already have a couple back you know in your back pocket excellent you yeah know? It goes back to what you're saying about like um, blocking everything else out to focus on one thing at a time, mm -hmm. which is not contradictory to don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You've still got all your eggs in multiple baskets. It's just that when you're doing something like an audition, you are single-minded, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's It's called being in the moment. Mindfulness. Just be right there. Right, mindfulness. Right, be present. Yeah. Don't worry about the bills that got to be paid or the fact that you're about to get thrown. That does not matter right here in this moment. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's just, great advice. There's nothing that you can do about that right right there except go in there and just, just be in the moment. Get yeah. the gig. Book the gig. Book it. Um, we also asked, how did you get your SAG after card? Was it on Jungle Fever? Good God. I'm like, you You taking me so far back. I can't even remember when I got my card. Can, yeah. Or um, Fresh Prince. It's so cool that you had bit parts on Fresh Prince and a Spike Lee joint. Yeah. I'm thinking it might have been on a Fresh Prince because mm -hmm. I had two, I had two roles on it. Yeah. It might have been, it might have been, uh, let's see. Yeah. That was my first acting gig was, was Fresh Prince. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So it would have to be that. That's awesome. And then it's so full circle. You managed to hold on to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you've won a SAG award, so you've definitely held on to it. Yes. Hey, look, sometimes those dudes come up. You're like, hey, hey. <laughs> hey you got to keep them. Keep that insurance. <laughs> <laughs> the dues. Um, this is another, this is a tough one. What is one performance you think every actor should see and why? Who's anybody's? Anything, stage, screen, TV, film, maybe something you've seen recently. I did wind up watching. <laughs> wind up watching some soap telenovela the other day. <laughs> oh, it was good. I'm sorry, I can't tell you, but they were giving it to me. I was like, yes, and mm. catching every third and fourth word. Yeah, because I've been slipping on my Spanish, but <laughs> you had me. You had me for a good twenty minutes. So you um, consume a wide variety of media to inspire you. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. I will read subtitles too. I'm I'm not <laughs> having a problem reading subtitles. You know what? I think somebody everybody should watch Amelie. Oh, okay. Oh. A movie called Amelie. Mm -hmm. And it probably came out in 2001 mm -hmm. or so, you know, mm -hmm. but cuz I remember it coming out around the time of 9/11. Um, but it's it's this very quirky but very uh, optimistic mm. um, film. What a great yeah. It's French, but you can you can watch if you don't mind reading some subtitles. <laughs> it was a great little movie that made a great very many people happy. That's great. That's such a great answer. <laughs> I've never. I would not have expected that, nor would I have expected your. Um, I mean, it's so cool. You grew up watching musicals. It's very much my background too. School days. School days. Spike Lee joint. That's another one. One of the most underrated. Sure, 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 sure. Should have gotten an Oscar. Yeah. Well, he should have. He should have way more than one Oscar in my. Yeah, opinion. he should have a wall full. But yeah, who's counting? <laughs> He's not. Yeah. Thanks so much, Queen. This was so lovely. Thank you so much for all your advice. I think listeners are going to get a lot, a lot out of this. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks so much. <laughs> Keep breaking legs. Yeah. Thanks.
And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna-Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi folks, Christine McKenna-Torella here. This week I wanted to share an experience with you that I had a few days ago where I felt like a fish out of water. I got headshots done. I had my first headshot session in about mm, easily 10 years. (laughs) So I always say it, uh, headshots are really important to get right. They are your calling card, the first impression people have of you when they're considering your materials, and the lasting impression when people are trying to remember you for future projects. As you may have gathered, I am not a front of the camera type of gal, right? Like I might do some workshops and panels and that type of thing, but I don't like getting my photo taken. I'm awkward. I blush easily. So I'm not the ideal candidate for a photographer. So if you're like me and you're feeling a little nervous about getting your headshots done, I went through a few steps that I want to share with you today that certainly helped me feel my best um, and most confident self. First off, your headshot photographer. So that selection is so important. I'm lucky that I know a lot of incredibly talented photographers. I picked my friend Michael Dewar to um, help me with this session. It's important, whoever you pick, it's really important that you review those pictures and that you like their style because their style will become your style. Talk to them beforehand. Know where you're shooting, what their vision for the session would be. You are the customer. You're paying a lot of money for this. You have to be happy and comfortable. Secondly, book hair and makeup. Don't skimp on this unless you're very good at doing your own hair and makeup. This may not be as important for guys or people with shorter hair or, again, if you're super confident with doing photographer, like, professional makeup on yourself. But I am not, so it was important to me. And I know how good headshots can last you a long time. So that investment was worth it for me. I actually even timed my haircut and color. I went to the dentist and I got a teeth cleaning a few weeks before the shoot. I planned additional outfits just in case I needed them. I did my own face mask. I gave myself a mini facial and, and, and a manicure the night before. Basically, I forward planned to look and feel my best. I also came to set with ideas and references about the shots I wanted to get. So I'm not an actor, so I brought kind of LinkedIn-y, corporate website shots, right? That was the type of vibe that I wanted to go for. And it just helped me feel prepared and, and that we would capture what we needed. As an actor, you should probably think about ideas of characters that you could be cast as to help you determine the shots that you want to capture. It's important that you communicate, right? And that sounds so basic, but sometimes when we're feeling uncomfortable, we stop talking, (laughs) or I do anyway. So just keep on talking. So I had an amazing makeup artist, Bailey Reeves, who checked in with me regularly about lipstick and, and looks and whether or not my hair was doing anything silly. And I both had Bailey and Michael on posture watch. It's something that I'm really self-conscious about so I was just really honest and I was like look if you see that my shoulders rolling I want you just to tell me shoulders back and up and you know pinch those shoulders so that really made me feel again my best my most confident communicating throughout the shoot finally we played some awesome music I made a playlist they had made a playlist it was all super fun, up energy, and it really helped me. Uh, it's stuff that I, I I would listen to when I'm working out or when I'm, you know, hoping to, like, improve my mood. And it really was really great. So highly recommend putting that little extra playlist together. I'm excited to share these shots, and that's how you should feel when you have your headshots done. So I hope that if you're nervous like me, these little points will help you through. On to the casting calls for this week, and I'm highlighting some regional and area-specific jobs. We have a well-paying project in Australia seeking couples in various north-southwest coastal towns taking part in activities of the local area for a tourism commercial. Pays pretty well. Take a look at that. We have a degree deodorant commercial shooting in London, but seeking American and Canadian talent based in London for the project. thought that was kind of an interesting one. Take a look if you fit the bill there. And there is a Love Vaza coffee print ad seeking female models in Kanab, Utah. So you have to be kind of in that Vegas, Utah, or upper Arizona area that you'd be able to get yourself to the set. But they're taking shots in a national park. It sounds really cool. 
Details on the site for all of those. As always, there are hundreds of castings for every type of actor in every region on the site. Head over to Backstage.com to check those out. And I'm still taking your questions. Send them over to editorial at Backstage.com and put podcast question in your title. That's all from me. Break a leg in your upcoming auditions, guys. Have a beautiful week. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.